rather you live your life in vanity You traded all your hopes and dreams for insanity I'm Father Harry Dean, a priest of the Diocese of Austin. I'm joined today by Deacon Ronnie Lastavica, our coordinator of pastoral care for restorative justice ministry in the Diocese of Austin. He serves our incarcerated and corrections officers in the many prison units of the city of Gatesville, Texas, and our longtime friend of the program, Renee Brown, who is a licensed professional counselor. And today we're going to begin our second part of two on the topic of strengths-based learning. Deacon Ronnie. Renee, what are some attributes a person could examine to determine their strengths or positive qualities? Sure. So let me say real quick that when people know their strengths and they use them, um, they're, they're known to experience more success, you know, in different areas of their life. Um, it facilitates feelings of happiness and improves self-esteem and people who know their strengths, positive traits, good character strengths, those people tend to accomplish their goals, too. So I think it's so important that people understand that when you know your strengths and you can use them effectively, you know, you can be successful. And so this is going to be another kind of one of those list things that I'm going to throw out. And this this came again from Therapist Aid. But and some of it also came from um, this is called. New York Times school book. So these were just just a list of like uh, strengths and then maybe some character strengths as well. But I'm going to throw some things out. And if you want to write them down, you can. Or if you hear something and you're like, oh, yeah, that's one of my strengths, write it down. And so if you decide just to make the list, then what I'm going to encourage you to do is go back and look at it and like circle your strengths or check off your strengths and if you're just writing them down, then later on, go back and put some examples. So, you know, you will be able to clarify for yourself that this truly is a strength. And so when I use this activity with people, I hand it to them and I'm like, okay, let's go through and circle your strengths. But you guys that are listening, if y'all would just start making a list as we go through. So one of the first ones is wisdom, artistic ability, leadership, persistence, being curious, Honesty, love, kindness, enthusiasm. Here's one of my favorites. You got to have it as a counselor. Empathy. Can you explain what empathy is? Yeah. Um, empathy is that ability to put yourself in somebody else's situation and ha- and understand their experience from, from their point of view, not your point of view, but you hopefully, you know, you can put yourself into this person's situation and see what it's like for them. Um, an example would be um, when my dad died, you know, it was really challenging for me. And my sister, one of my sisters, was so completely great at being empathetic because she could put herself in what it was like for, for me to lose him, from my perception, because he and I were so close. We were best friends. So she could provide that empathy because it wasn't her perception of what this was like for me. This was, she was tapping into knowing me and have a relationship with me. And then she could understand what I was feeling, right? So often people, when they think of empathy, they'll be like, oh, I'm going to put myself in their shoes 
and I'm going to know what, what it's like to be in their shoes. Well, it's not just that. You do put yourself into their shoes, so to speak, but you're also looking at it from their perception. What is their perception of this situation? So not to get too far afield on this, but I think it's worthy of a little mm-hmm. bit of, of exploration. The volunteer corps that we send into the prison units mm-hmm. and directed by Deacon Ronnie, empathy, it seems to me, would be a key aspect of that. However, if I understand the concept, that's one thing. Getting there is another. What are some kind of really good practical uh, helps for someone to be able to say, this is not me being empathetic. This is me being empathetic. In other words, how do I how do I train myself to sure. be empathetic? I think it's it's probably with being empathetic, thinking about the volunteers. It's not how you perceive the situation. In other words, well, I can put myself into their situation that they're incarcerated. This would be terrible not to have freedom, right? So that's my take on what his experience is. Empathy says. I'm going to know a little bit about this person. So this person maybe said, you know, I'm incarcerated and this, is, this isn't this is just that I've lost my personal freedom. I don't get to see my kids. I don't have a relationship with my mom or my father died while I was incarcerated. And so you're looking at it through their lens, not your lens. I think that's that separation of empathy. I can put myself into the situation, but then I have to go further and see the situation through the lens of the person, not my lens. And that, and Deacon Ronnie can corroborate this uh, for me, that is not something that many of us as volunteers in the restorative justice ministry can get overnight um, because you're working with people that you're getting to know at a human level, and we can't really fool ourselves by pretending to say after a month of being there weekly or after two years of being there weekly, I know everything there is to know about this person. So it takes some time to mm-hmm. get to that empathetic standing. And I'd even add, nor can I know how they feel. I can understand, but I don't know how they feel. It's impossible for me to know how that feels mm-hmm. because I've never, I've never been there in that sense. Absolutely. You know, I go back to the uh, example of my dad passing away. I never tell people I understand. I try to stay away from that. My best friend lost her dad a year before I lost my dad. But it's two two different situations. I had an extremely close relationship with my father. This is my best friend. She didn't really have a good relationship with her dad. So we both lost our dads. They they passed away. But it's completely different, the lens that we are looking at this through. Because not that she didn't feel hurt, not that she didn't feel sad. For her, it was very different. She felt like she had all this stuff that was undone that they never worked on. Me, I could, I could be joyful because my dad was suffering at the end of his life. So I was joyful that he was no longer in pain. But I'm sad that I've lost this person that was my confidant, that was my best friend. Very different situations. So as a person going in, maybe as a volunteer, I can't go in there just assuming that everything's going to be the same. The way I've experienced something in my life is not going to be the way somebody else has had a similar experience. We can both have somebody that's died in our life, but it's not going to be the same. And even for people that are incarcerated, that their, their situations are not the same. For somebody that's going to do a year, that's very different than somebody that's doing 25 I mean, and if it's a person doing 25 day for day, 
and the person that's going to do 25 but might could get out in eight, that's a different experience. So everybody's experience, there's going to be similarities, but there's a whole lot of differences. So when you're when you're thinking about empath- empathy, it's really that ability to look at it through that person's lens, which means you have to get to know that person before you can can really give in to that. That's why I like so much, and I mentioned it in a previous episode, Pope Francis's encouragement to the priests of the world to know the smell of their sheep. If you know where the smell comes from, you know something about the person, about their daily life, about their conditions, their humanity. Their, you know, we use the, the term the odor of sanctity. Well, there, that's another smell reference because it's a knowledge-based reality mm-hmm. and not a surface one. It's one that comes over time. And so uh, that's a, a very good and wise saying by by our Holy Father. Please. I love that. Yes. The smell, I love that. Yes. That makes it so much deeper, that connection. Um, some other things that you could think about, like in terms of like your strengths, um, uh, fairness, bravery, cooperation. I think that's an important strength right there, cooperation, um, forgiveness, Common sense, I think that's one that sometimes we forget about. Um, Being modest, gratitude, and we're going to talk about gratitude in an upcoming segment because I think gratitude is just, it's a little piece of, of, of just life I think that sometimes we forget about that is just critical and can facilitate so much happiness and positivity So we're going to talk about that in a later session. Love of learning, which I talked about earlier, humor, spirituality, confidence, um, creativity, athleticism, discipline, uh, being assertive, um, being logical, flexible, adventurous, independent. So that's just a few of them on this strengths. Go through, see which ones you possess. And then as far as like character strengths, these are... These are some strengths that speak to, I think, like character. All of them really do, but this is a different list, and I like it too. It has some different ones on it, but like it says for, um, I love grit. I think that is such an important thing that we often do not talk to kids about. So what is grit when you use that word? Well, I love this too, what they say about it on here. It says, finishing what you start, completing something despite the obstacles, right? So many times we want to quit when it gets hard. Um, a combination, it's a combination of persistence, but resilience. You know, you are fighting through. You have grit. Um, one of my friends, um, that her husband died last year. And so her son has really struggled in school this year. And, um, you know, he, this was an A-B student that's now failing. And his mental health, he's had that counseling and and. It's just been so, like, challenging for them. And she told him, she said, we are a family of grit. When it's hard, we dig in and we get through. And then on the other end, you're going to feel really good about this. And it was so amazing because he brought all of his grades up to A's and B's, passing. He'll be a starter on the football team. I mean, he was about to not play football. He was going to be second line because – and he's not – he's a first – uh, line player, he has that ability, but because of the grades, he wasn't going to have that opportunity, and he just dug in. And I think we forget that sometimes that grit is that thing that's going to get us through. I think about people, um, you know, incarcerated. 
there are so many obstacles. I, I can just remember so many conversations with, with my daughter, you know, of things that she had to get through. And it's like, yeah, there were so many obstacles because it's just so different being told what to do, the schedules, the rules. You can't interact with certain people. You have to be very hyper aware. There are constant obstacles. But she would get through them. And then, you know, she felt she had that sense of resilience on the end. Um, uh, social intelligence, you know, being aware of motives and feelings of other people and yourself, having that social intelligence of, you know, how do I move about with others? Um, humor, I'm going to bring that up again, you know, like to laugh, smiling at people. And and I think that's a challenging one when you're incarcerated. Um, I can remember Tierney sharing with me like, you know, you had to be careful who you smile at or you kind of laugh with because you never know, like, on the back end what that can really mean. And and that made me sad for her because we're a family that laughs a lot, you know, and humor goes so far for, for positive feelings. Um, wisdom. I think wisdom is huge. You know, being wise of the world, knowing a few things, um, being able to advise yourself if nobody else is around, having wisdom. Um Modesty, you know, letting letting your your maybe letting your victories or your triumphs speak for themselves, and then and not seeking the spotlight. You know, being modest in that way. Appreciation of beauty, you know, all kinds of beauty in the world. Um, I think that one's the one that's kind of overlooked too. There's beauty in nature. There's beauty in God. There's beauty just. I know all around us, and sometimes we forget that. Well, there's beauty of the interior when the world is so obsessed with beauty of the exterior. Mm, and yes. And, of course, exterior is fine. That's all part of God's creation as well. But to be so focused on the external beauty so as to deny or disregard the internal beauty. And so, again, a lot of the, the, the folks that we have served in, in the incarcerated life uh, don't feel themselves to be beautiful. And so, um, and they've had people tell them that they're They're not not beautiful beautiful. in terms of appearance. And so there's a whole loss of self-esteem and personal worth and dignity and all the above. And getting back to the spirit-centered life that can say, okay, you may not appear beautiful to other people, but the truth of who you are is that you are a beautiful person because God has made you beautiful in his eyes. And that's the one that we need to really be focused on. Um, there's, so that's a lot of attributes. Uh, that's a whole that's big a list whole and you probably didn't list. cover them all, <laughs> but given that, um, I don't know that all of us and particularly our incarcerated, uh, people that we, that we serve our brothers and sisters have a sense of what impact the strengths that they have once they are able to, uh, identify them and embrace them, mm-hmm. um, how those a- actually affect their relationships. You know, I, I didn't think a whole lot about relationships of several years ago. And when I was a teacher, I was in a training and this <clears throat> person that was giving um, a presentation, she said, everything in life is about relationship. I never thought about life that way. And when I thought about it, and this was really geared towards kids and when, and when we were having a shift in education that it's not just about teaching that kid sitting in front of you. You need to have a relationship with the kids in your class. And so that's where part of this came from. But for me, it was kind of like, wow, that is true. Almost everything in life is about relationship. 
the relationship that you have with God, the relationship you have with your children, with your parents, with friends, with the, with the guy at the grocery store that just checked you out. In a sense, there is a relationship, even if it's just for a few minutes, it's relationship. And so if you think in terms of that, you know, that everything is about relationship. When you look at your friendships, you look at your parents, if you have children, your strengths are so important to, or to know your strengths is important because that facilitates positive relationships. So if I know that one of my strengths is humor, then that be be something that I want to make sure that I'm infusing into my relationships. Um, if I know that um, one of my um, strengths is common sense, then that's something that, you know, you're going to want to help your kids with. You know, you want to make sure that you're helping your children hone that strength of common sense. Um, so your strengths help you create relationships. Um, if you have a, a tough kiddo, like I, I've had one is tougher than the other, you know, so I always think about my ability to be persistent, uh, you know, has played a huge role in my relationship with my son. I am persistently loving him and I ha- I try to have compain- uh, compassion for him. I'm even persistent in my boundaries with him, but that persistence is important or consistency. That would be another strength to have. And so here's a great example of how you can develop a strength. When I was a young mom, and it was a struggle being a single mom with two kids, and, and my son, Drew, he's ADHD, and that was a lot. Um, I, consistency was not one of my strengths. It was not. I was consistent in the classroom, interestingly, but not consistent at home. By the time I got home, I was drained, and I was not consistent. But now that is something that that I'm consistent with him now. Um, because he makes still some poor choices. So I try to be consistent and I have boundaries and I'm consistent with my boundaries. I'm consistent with, um, you know, boundaries and rules with my grandchildren. So consistency wasn't a strength that I had when I was younger, but it's a strength that I've developed as I've gotten older. So it does speak to how you can develop a strength that maybe you never had. And it plays into our relationship because now that I'm able to be consistent Now I can have better boundaries with Andrew. So when you look at all these strengths, think about what strengths you use currently in your relationships with people. You know, maybe you're that person that um, is cooperative. You know, maybe you cooperate with your friends, but maybe you're not cooperative with your family. And so looking at how, how not being cooperative with your family has affected that relationship but how has being cooperative with your friends affected that relationship? And so just kind of studying that and learning that. Renee, share an activity for finding strengths in challenging times. So this is an activity that I found from, um, it's, it's called po- positivepsychology.com. They're one of my favorite places to get activities. I've bought some of their activities, so I don't know. It's pretty good. So in this particular activity, once again, if you've got paper and pencil, just kind of jot this down. It says some of our strengths are obvious to us, right? Some of them are obvious, but sometimes we have strengths that are completely unnoticed. Like when I shared uh, in a previous uh, segment about me being enthusiastic, 
that's a strength, but it's just a strength I've never really noticed I had until literally last night, right? So one way to discover your hidden strengths is to think about the things that give you a sense of energy, like what pumps you up? You know, what gives you this energy? And look at it from the last week. What went on in the last week where you felt like you were energized? What strength were you using when you felt energized? And I had not really thought about this until last night with the example of being enthusiastic. It's just my nature to be that way. I never really thought about it as a strength until my nephew brought it up last night. And so I was like, wow, that's a hidden strength that I have. I'm enthusiastic because I just don't notice it. And so think about when you felt energized last week. What were you doing? Maybe last week you were being cooperative with somebody and maybe you felt good about that. You could feel like this inner energy coming forth, you know, so write down what the strength was and then write down what you were doing. Um, The next part of this is it says it can be challenging to recognize our own strengths. We can become so used to them that they feel ordinary. My example of the enthusiasm. Sometimes other people are better at spotting our strengths than we are. What strengths or positive qualities have other people shared about you? What were you doing when they noticed these strengths? So this is a prime example, you know, of my nephew telling me like, hey, Aunt Nay, um, did you know that you're enthusiastic because you were kept saying this and this and this? You know, I mean, it was great because that's a hidden strength I didn't know how. And so he gave me the example of, of that hidden strength. And so... I think asking others is just a great idea. And and when you know your strengths and if it's hidden and somebody's bringing it forth, that's just going to facilitate positive feelings and increase your self-esteem as well. So this this line of questioning, this worksheet, it's not just about recognizing strengths, but hopefully also that this is going to help you increase your self-esteem and, and even a level of happiness too. And we're going to talk about happiness in some upcoming segments. So then the next part of this activity, it says this, and this is strange. This goes back to something we literally just talked about a few minutes ago. Think about somebody you admire or you respect, right? What is it about the person that you admire the most? What are their greatest strengths? And do you share any of these strengths? And I would take it even further and say, does this person possess a strength that I don't have that I want? Do Does this person possess something I see it as a strength because maybe they're really independent and maybe that's something that you would like to have. I was working with one of my clients yesterday and she was telling me that um, she had wanted to do something, but she, oh, she, it was her birthday and they did a party and it was a pizza place, but she could do go-karts, but nobody would ride with her and she didn't do it. So she passed up this opportunity, right? And so it's like, Well, what strength could you have tapped into? Could you have asked somebody to ride it with you? Could you went ahead and wrote it yourself? So what strength does she need to develop to do that on her own is independence. And so we talked through that. So how can you start little by little gaining independence? You know, what things can you do by yourself to get to this place where next time you are able to ride a go-kart and nobody's going to ride with you, you're going to do it anyway. So just kind of piecing some things together like that. And then the last part of this particular activity says, once again, 
Uh, think about um, your activities or hobbies that you enjoy the most. And then in what ways do these activities, uh, do you have to use your strengths? So once again, if you like painting or you like writing music, then that means your strength is creativity, you know. So uh, look at your hobbies, look at what you like to do and go from there. And as you've gone through that and you've practiced it a few times and you begin to get very solid on where you see your strengths and you're, you're being conscious of them, you're allowing them to play out in real time, um, I would want to then move that to the strengths that I need to develop a relationship with God. And I'll just ask you, Deacon Ronnie, I've got some ideas on this first, but, you know, what are the, in your experience, what are the strengths that we need to strengthen and develop a relationship with God? I'd say you just need to suit up and show up. I mean, you just got to spend time with God. It's um, it's from that relationship of being with Him that that He's going to strengthen you, and and through that strengthening, you're able to strengthen others. But you can't give what you don't have, and I think it comes from a a very uh, solid relationship of just time and and being in the presence of God. As Renee mentioned earlier, the the the, um, we look at the effects of a, a person who has a, a very strong prayer life, a uh, person who uh, spends time in adoration and spends, uh, is, uh, receives the graces of the sacraments, a, fre- a frequent communicant, a frequent uh, penitent. Uh, those are all going to show up in, in your relationships with others. It just will. And the importance, therefore, of us as a Catholic Church continuing to find ways to make present so that time can be honored of the Eucharist, of the Sacrament of Penance and Reconciliation, which in every prison unit isn't always there for us to be able to do. And it's certainly a part of our soul-searching in the life of the Church to discern how can we continue to foster those time opportunities particular to the sacraments with with people who are incarcerated. And that was the first one on my list, too, was discipline of time. Yes, the discipline of time. And that's something that we all have—I uh, mean, it's our— our choice. I mean, what we do with our time, mm-hmm. and and that's a, that's an act of your will. Uh, but I think once you enter into it, and you see that that uh, you you'll see the fruits of that life, and it just it just shows. It Another one on my list was a frequent examination of ongoing desires. How am I being moved by my daily moment moment by moment desires? What am I really acting on strongly? What am I soft? selling to myself and to others, what really fires my passions and what is really driving me in terms of my emotional state, my desires for what? Well, of course, we're, we're trying to have all our desires be focused around the movement with God in this life towards a life that is to come. But if we're frequently examining what our ongoing desires are, we're going, if we're honest with ourselves, to find that we have some dominating desires that don't always serve the desire mm-hmm. for God. And, and I would, yeah, I'd say that 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 those are fragmented. I mean, uh, our focus has to be on God. The God has to be the center of our lives. And when we have a, a, a God-centered life, then those other distractions, those other things that are going to be competing with that time, will they're still there. But that's not my focus. Mm-hmm. My focus will be on God and, and God alone. And I think that's the beauty of that relationship is that it's, you know, it's going to be present with you. It's not compartmentalized. It's with you all through your day. Uh, that's what's going to get you up in the morning. That's what's going to drive you through the day. And that's what's going to lay you down at night. Is that centered on God? And the last one on my list was, so let's say you, you get yourself in a good place to be open 
and giving yourself in time to God, let yourself hear what God has to say. Correct. The first thing we have to do in prayer is listen to God. Because oftentimes we come to come to mm-hmm. God with, with this monologue, right? We're, we're going to tell God what He needs to be doing. <laughs> my, and, my wish list. My wish list. <laughs> yes. And uh, Santa God. Santa God. But yeah. we want to listen with with the ears of our heart to what God has, is, is saying to us, and, and be attentive. Be attentive to to those words. Well, let's ask the good Saint Dymphna to assist us in all the things that we have heard. Such beautiful. Uh, wisdom from Renee and from Deacon Ronnie today and the gifts of the Spirit that have been with us throughout this episode. Um, Our next uh, three episodes are going to be on the topic of finding happiness, and we'll have three segments on that. But for now, we ask good Saint Dymphna, the great wonder worker in every affliction of mind and body, we humbly implore your powerful intercession with Jesus through Mary, our mother, the health of the sick in our present need. Whatever that might be, you insert that now as your own personal intercession. What is the the help that I need? O Saint Dymphna, martyr of purity, patroness of those who suffer with nervous and mental afflictions, beloved child of Jesus and Mary, pray for us, for ourselves, that we may obtain what we request through Christ our Lord. Amen. 